0: Let's try it again. All right. Everybody doing good? All right. Well, I'm Martin Brooks, and and I get to teach this morning. And they told me to teach on peace, which is kind of unusual because I work for a peace organization. Um, We've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit and love, joy, peace, you know, uh, the Galatians 5 passage. And people said in the past, you know, the the peace and, and all of the fruits of the Spirit are something that are nat- naturally evolved. It's, it's like a, a fruit tree doesn't try to produce an apple. It just does. You know. And if we're, if we're following Jesus and we have the Spirit of God in us, these things should be natural to us, and yet they're not. You know. It, it's like, why aren't we joyful? Why aren't we peaceful? Why aren't we loving uh, all, the, all the time? So when we talk about peace... Uh, there's Jamel and I were just in D.C. Uh, this week at the, summit, at the uh, Sojourners Summit Conference, and there they asked me to, to talk about global peace. Well, that's really not what we're talking about today. So you have global peace, and then we have peace like with each other, but there's also this peace with inside of us that, that we need to have, and one sort of builds on the other. If we have the peace inside of us, then we have the energy that, that extends to other people, and then ultimately that would uh, extend to the globe. But scripture has a different definition of peace than than we usually think of. Peace is more than just the absence of like people shooting at each other. the The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and shalom means it means peace, but it but it means more than that. It means harmony between people. It means Wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and and tranquility. So when we talk about having peace between each other, it's pursuing these things not just for ourselves but for everybody else. The prosperity of, of other people, the wholeness of other people, the tranquility for other people and ourselves and between us and God. So So this is between could be between two entities, like two individuals, two cities, two countries. Uh, it could be between you and God. When we talk about the, the gospel and, and Jesus restoring the relationship between us and God, I mean, that's, that's peace between us and God. Tranquility, um, wholeness, completeness between us and God. But then there's also this peace with ourself. And there's even, it even extends to creation, peace with the environment, the things that God, uh, the, the, the fulfillment of, of environment and, and creation. Rob Bell just recently came out with a book called um, What is the Bible? And in that, that book, he talks about the definition of sin. When we think about the definition of sin, many times we talk about uh, missing the mark, and there's this idea of somebody shooting an arrow at a, at a bullseye, and they miss the mark, and that's and and that's like to sin. I think it's like an archery term or something. If you miss the mark, you you sin. Well, if you if Rob Bell defines sin as anything that disrupts this shalom, anything that disrupts the thriving not only of ourselves but the thriving of other people. So if you disrupt the people trying to, um, to get along in life, to, to thrive, to live a tranquil life, to, to relate to God in a better way, that's sin. That's, that's missing the mark. And so uh, I just came across that concept you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I've been reading Scripture. And like every, time, every time the word sin comes up in Scripture, I've been trying to think about, is that breaking the peace in some way? And so far, the the encounters I've had, it it, it is. So I think uh, I think um, Rob Bell might be onto something there. the, the Jewish people, <coughs> excuse me, when they greet each other, and when they say goodbye to each other, they they say shalom. And you think about if you just think peace, like okay, I'm not going to hit you in the face. That's one thing. But if you say shalom to you, I'm I'm looking out for your fulfillment your completeness your tranquility i care about you so much that i want you to thrive shalom to you our muslim friends have a, use a different version of the same word. they say salam, salaam uh, so peace to you and that's what they they mean too um I, actually uh, you know a lot of times we get into these habits of saying things and we just get kind of rose off our tongue and it, it probably you know they're not thinking that deeply about it but that's That's what the meaning is, you know, if we were to greet each other with this intense love for each other. Some of the Jewish scribes said all of the Old Testament, all of the the Torah um, points to this completeness, to the peace of God. And and they quote this passage in Proverbs 3.17, her ways, the, the ways of wisdom, the ways of God are pleasant ways and all of her paths are peace. So to look through the Old Testament and the stories and all of the things that are in the Bible as a way of pointing toward this mutual thriving for all. The Jewish people, some of the Jewish people in their teaching said, this is the whole message of the Bible, the thriving of of all. Now they and all of us tend to revert into our tribalism and and think about, well, what's good for me, And, and we focus there instead of what's good for for everybody, and in Genesis, when God created everything, He created it perfectly. He created this this in the you know you heard about the Garden of Eden, and there's this shalom that's there. Man walking with God in relationship with God, foods provided. There's justice. There's re- there's there's relationship between man and woman, man and God, man and nature. It's all there, and this gets broken when satan comes the deceiver comes and says there's a better way and satan the the liar deceived adam and eve into breaking that tranquility into sort of rebelling against god and man realized i've messed things up and the, the the bible you know in very simplistic terms is man trying to fix that so we, you know, we, we killed a bunch of animals thinking maybe God will like us if we kill enough animals. We, we tried to kill the bad guys. Let's kill these, this tribe over here and those people over there. If we just get rid of the bad stuff in the world, then, then God will be happy with us. And then they, we decided to isolate ourselves. Well, we're good and they're bad. So let's let's make a tribe, let's make a little group that's good and then then we talk bad about everybody. If we isolate ourselves and keep ourselves pure, then God will be happy with us. And then we start making rules for ourselves. Well, that started right at the beginning. If I do this and don't do that, God will be happy with me. And man, we just wore ourselves out. And Satan's a liar. He's He's a liar. I want to look at genesis 15 you know the abraham father abraham the the father of the christian faith the jewish faith the islamic faith everybody points back to him but in, in in genesis 15 there's this story where god begins to reveal to man that he's different than what we've perceived him to be god comes to abraham in in genesis 15 and, and verse 1 and he says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. He said, Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, I'm your great reward. Go on to that, ne- that next verse, please. Where were we going? Click to that. There we go. But Abram said, Oh, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of these promises that you give me? See, Abraham was having a hard time believing God. God says, Up until that point in time, uh, and and even after that, man man is relating to God saying, God's mad at me and I've got to do something. And God comes to Abraham and says, I want to bless you. And and Abraham says, how can I know that's true? That's not what anybody else around me is saying. How can I know that you want to, to bless me? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, and... Uh, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought these to him. He put them, he cut them. Is actually what that word's supposed to be. He cut them in two. Okay, this is, this is a bloody arrangement here. He cuts these animals in two, and he arranges them op- with opposite halves. Uh, and the birds, however, he, he didn't cut in half. So what's going on is Abraham's about to make a covenant with God. And the way they made covenants, they didn't have police forces. They didn't have people to enforce laws. They didn't have lawyers. So what they did was they would take animals and they would cut them in half. And they put these two bloody parts in, on each side. And then they would say, I agree to do this. And I agree to do this. And then they would walk through those bloody animal parts. And it's like, if you break your covenant, it's going to be like these bloody animal parts here it's going to go really bad for you if you don't do what you said so abraham knew this abram as he's saying abraham his, his name changed a little bit later abram knew this and he arranges the parts he's getting ready for this covenant thing to happen and what's the next verse that i had you put up there can you click it up real quick Okay, before, before this next verse, go back, please. Um, Abraham, Abrams is, um, he cuts these animals in parts, and then it says a, a dark terror sort of came over. He is about to encounter God, or his perception of who God is, and he's afraid. And God comes to him, and uh, this, then go, go to the next verse. God comes, and instead of having Abram walk through these bloody animal parts, God shows up in this sort of weird way. It's it's called a fire pot, the smoking fire pot. And God, this this symbol of God, goes through these animal parts alone. And it's like a one-way covenant. God says... I'm going to bless you. And it's not that you have to do all of these good things to receive the blessing. I'm going to do it. I'm different than other gods. It's not that you have to do stuff and then I'll respond in with favor. It's I'm going to show up and I'm going to bless you. This is God's promise to Abraham. Well, Abraham, um, oh, and and, and interestingly, this is where we get, you ever heard the term we're going to cut a deal? This is where this, that term comes from, cutting the animals uh, in half. I never knew that till, till just recently. Um, so God says, I'm not like those, those other gods where, where you have to show up and, and do something. God provides. God provided, uh, well, let me back up just a little bit. The very next story, even though God says, I'm going to provide you, uh, one of the things he was going to provide him was he was going to be, Abraham was going to be the father of, of many nations. And he was an old man, didn't have any kids. And God's like, or J- Abraham's like, how can I know this is going to happen? God says, I'm going to give you descendants like the numbers of stars uh, in the sky. Um, so the very the very next story is Abraham not trusting God. Hagar shows up. And, and and Abraham tries to to manipulate the situation for God by doing it himself. Um, and then, remember the story of Abraham coming and being asked to offer his son as a sacrifice. Remember that story? You know, they're going to take Abraham's son. He finally gets a son. And he's going to take him up to a mountain. And God... Uh, Abraham thinks that God wants him to offer his son as a sacrifice. I've always had such trouble with that story. You know, why would God ask him to do that? But the point of the story is God's not like the gods of other nations. Other nations, people would come and they would offer their children as sacrifices uh, to God. And God says, I'm not like the God of other nations. And the Old Testament, a lot of it is God breaking down our our ideas of who God is and and our fear of God God loves you God is on your side God is wanting to to bless you many times when when I preach I ask God what is it that you want me to tell the people it's always a prayer and the prayer the answer always comes back: tell my tell them that I love them God loves you and that's sort of the message of 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 today. You look at the bloody passages of the Old Testament. Why, did, why are people killing each other in the Old Testament? You look at the book of Judges. And it's just cycle after cycle of um, a war happens. Somebody kills somebody. There's a period of peace. Then uh, the people uh, get stirred up again and they start killing other people. And there's another cycle, of uh, a time of peace. And then they get stirred up and they kill each other again. And time of, And people look at these passages and say, if that's God. If God's... And, and they're saying, God told me to do these things. If that's God, people say, I don't want to follow a, an angry God like that that's wanting to kill uh, people. But what you have is men, if you take the whole thing together, God is showing that these cycles of violence where we take things into our own hands don't work. It just leads to more violence. And even though people say, God told me to do that, you ever heard the phrase, the victor writes the history? you ever heard that phrase? It's like one army conquers another, conquers a place, and the guys that get conquered, they don't get to write the history books. It's the, guy, it's, it's the victors who say, you know, we went in there, and because we won, we assumed that God was on our side and told us to do that. And we know, you know, you you know that righteous people, good people, they never suffer, right? You know, it's God, just because you won a battle doesn't mean that God told you to do that. And yet, in Scripture, we have these passages where God said to go do this, that, and the other. But it's it's the victor that's writing that story. And taking the whole thing together, these cycles of violence, even if religious people say, God's on my side, God told me to go hurt these other people. It violates the principle of shalom. It violates the principle of blessing the other. And the message of the, of the Old Testament, like the book of Judges, is it doesn't work. The violence doesn't work. We are called to something. God is not like that. So David eventually gets it, you know, a, a few years later, and, and he writes in the Psalms, in Psalm 34, It says, Turn your eyes from evil, do good, seek peace, seek shalom, and pursue it. Whoever you, if you love good life, wait a minute, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good things, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace, seek shalom, seek the blessing, the tranquility. Of others pursue it and then in in Peter later it 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 uh, re-emphasizes that same thing you know David's this man after God's own heart have you heard that phrase and yet David did a lot of really bad things he did a lot of bad things he was a man of war he committed adultery took another man's wife He, he 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 used his power to take what he wanted, and yet scripture calls him this man after god's own heart. it was God wouldn't let him build the temple he he had Solomon build the temple um, after him because because David was a man of blood hmm. in jeremiah twenty nine verse seven um The children of israel are are going into exile they've had these cycles of war and violence and and another army army came in and and took over uh the place and, and when they're going into this place this is what this is a prophecy of, of isaiah this is what the lord almighty the god of israel says to all those i carried into exile from jerusalem to babylon so they're all the way over in in babylon in modern day iraq Build houses there and settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives, for your, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which you have been carried into exile. Seek the shalom. Seek the blessing of even your enemy who has conquered you. Pray to the Lord um, for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. Is there more to that? Okay, so seek the peace of the city. And then and toward the end of the of the Old Testament, you have the passage in, in Micah 6:8. He's shown you what is good. He's shown you what the Lord expects of you. Go to the Micah passage. That's what? That's Micah. Okay. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings and calves uh, a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of, of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for the transgression, for my transgression, the fruit of my body uh, for... Fruit of my body for the... Next slide. For the sin of my soul, he has shown you, O oh mortal, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. See, so all through the Old Testament, the, the, the people are asking, what do I have to do to make this angry God happy with me? Do I have to give, kill more animals? Do I have to bring my wealth, which was, is talking about the olive oil there was a, a way of storing their wealth. Do I have to sacrifice my firstborn son? He says, no, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to act justly. He wants you to love mercy. He wants you to be humble and realize that you don't know everything. We're trying to figure out who God is and and how to relate to him. You get to the New Testament. Essentially, he's saying, stop hurting people. Stop hurting the people around you. Seek peace. Seek the shalom of of others you get to the new testament and jesus summarized the whole old testament he says what's what's most important well love god and love other people like yourself seek the blessing of other people um but we have a problem because we still think that god's ticked with us it's just so hard like abraham it's so hard for us to believe that God is on our side. In Luke 4, I, and I preached on this last time I, I, I talked, they come, they come to Jesus. Jesus comes to his hometown, and they hand him the scroll of Isaiah in, uh, in his hometown of Nazareth. And he opens up to the scroll um, to the place. Did, did we get that uh, Luke 4 passage? Okay, so... And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and sight, I think. Next word. Oh, and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. Jesus is pursuing the shalom of the people around him. The blessing for the people, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of jubilee. So then he rose up the scroll and he gives it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him, and he began to say, and he began by saying to them, "Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this new kingdom order begins today you are called to bless other people and then jesus spent the rest of the book of luke showing people how to live out that how to bless other people but you think back to the old christmas uh passage that we that we look at all you know every year in in isaiah uh, chapter 9 verse 6 and 7. um did we get that one yes for unto us a child is born and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government uh, and peace, there will be no end. So when Jesus comes in in Luke 4, he's saying, this this is starting. I don't know what's going on with the mic here. This is starting. This new kingdom order is, is beginning. He will, uh, he talking about the Messiah, talking about Jesus, will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, uh, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice. Next, Appointing it with justice and righteousness, uh, from the from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, so Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy, and he's saying this new order is beginning. But we have such a hard time believing that the, the Prince of Peace, that uh, this king is looking out for, for the good of, of all of us. Uh, and last, and last time I talked, you know, Jesus, Jesus showed that he loved everybody. You know, he he took the gospel to the to Gentiles. He made his disciples go to to the Gentiles. He cleared the courts uh, where that was preventing the women uh, from coming to the temple and praying, and preventing the Gentiles from coming. He associated with sinners. Um, And when they eventually killed him, he didn't retaliate. He showed us a different way to respond. So the question is, is, is God mad at you? Do you have to do something to make God happy uh, for you? Well, when the world did its worst to Jesus, Jesus came to the power structure of his day, came to the Roman Empire, and they hung him on a cross and what he said was, instead of retaliating, when he rose victorious, instead of assembling the angels or, or people and saying, "Okay, now let's let's kick, uh, let's let's defeat Rome," he said, "Father, forgive them." So, no matter, can you do more to Jesus than has already been done to him? If he is this God in the flesh, can you do more than crucify him? The the bad things that you do that you think Jesus is so mad about, that you think God is so mad about, can you do more to him than has already been done? And his response when those terrible things happen is forgive them and to welcome people back into this relationship. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Shalom. He is the one who seeks to bless you and calls us to bless each other, to follow... His way. He is the path to the shalom um and the path and he, he doesn't curse. He's he's the path of blessing. In John uh three, sixteen and seventeen, you, you know that passage uh probably you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send this world into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You see, God is for you; He's on your side. He didn't come to condemn you; He came to to bless you, to save you, to save all of us. Um, John, in fact, John says uh, later in uh, 1 John that that Jesus or that God is love, and this is this is good news. Because we sometimes come to the world and say, I've got good news for you. If you will stop doing the things that you're doing and start doing the things that I'm doing, if you'll stop following your rules and start following my rules, then God will be happy with you. But see, that's the message of the, of the Old Testament. That's the message that God's saying, I'm different than that. Before we started doing good things, Jesus loved us and uh, gave himself for us. And blessed us. In Colossians um, 1, verse 19, did you get that one? For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Okay, so. So Jesus, through the work that he did, reconciled all things. Now I wonder what the definition of all is. So he's already reconciled all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Well, that seems like that pretty much covers everything. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. Look at that phrase. You are enemies in your minds. Go to the next slide, please. Because of your evil behavior. Enemies in your minds because of evil behavior. You know, when we, when we do something wrong, we're enemy. We, we think, oh, I've so ticked off God, he's going, he's going to get me in some way. I, I did something bad. Therefore, God's God's mad at me. But a lot of this is just in our minds. The truth of Scripture is God is for you. He loves you. He's on your side. He's pulling for you. He wants that shalom peace for you. But now he, God, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish. And free from accusation. That describes you. Without blemish and free from accusation. You did something bad yesterday, last night, last week, last year. You are without blemish in God's sight. Free from accusation. The devil, scripture talks about Satan being the accuser. But Jesus is your salvation. He came to show that that he loves you that god loves you Um, if you continue in your faith established in him and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel uh, and this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been next proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which i paul had become a servant so this this message has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven But we don't believe it we don't live like it so all the way back to to our passage um all the way back to our passage in galatians the fruit of the of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance but because we don't believe it because we don't believe in the good news of the gospel that god's not mad at us we, we tried to make our own way, and, and we messed things up. God loves us. Um, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life. If you want to bear this fruit, we have to walk in this belief that God is for us and not uh, against us. Uh, Galatians, well... Do you have questions? Can, can you believe that God is for you? Or, or do we walk in that belief that God's still ticked with me for some reason? That I've so disappointed him that, that he can't really bless me. He doesn't really want this shalom, this thriving for me. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. The people who go and, and share this news with other people. God's not mad at you. And that's good news. That's good news. The gospel is good news. And, I, I, you know, we've made it into something else. We've made it into something where if you'll join my tribe, then we get a little bit more power. Then we can. We made it into power stuff. We made the church into power stuff. The good news is God is for you. He loves you. And you're you're not condemned. Jesus didn't come to condemn. And if we can live in that reality, then the fruit starts to come. And it's not because we muster it up. I'm going to make an apple. I'm going to make myself love. I'm going to make myself joyful. But it flows. I, the joy flows because of our relationship with God. I remember being as, as, a, as a missionary, went to went to Turkish Cyprus, and my best friend My best friends there were Palestinians. Other than my wife. My, my wife was with me. And the things they suffered to get out of the Gaza Strip to come and, and study. And, and I realized that I'd been told lies about Palestinians. I'd been told lies about Muslims. That this guy that I was meeting wasn't, wasn't the enemy. And could I transform my thinking into a way that, that I wanted to, to bless him. And that I could receive blessing from him and that we could walk together as we try to, to find god and i came back to the states after encountering muslims that weren't the terrible people that i thought they were and i came in i came into the church and said you know muslims aren't that bad of people and at least not the ones i've met you know there i'm sure i mean there are muslims that are people who call themselves muslim that that want to hurt you But the people in the church couldn't hear that. And they began to say, if you're not for us, meaning the church tribe, then you must be against us. And it's like, whose side are you on? And it felt like you had to choose sides. The good news is that, that God eliminates the sides. God loves us, but God loves Muslims. God loves white people, black people, brown people, green people. I, you know God loves. And the question is, can we? Can we? What would Jesus do? People wearing all those bracelets. WWJD. What he would do is he would love. And he calls you to be free. For freedom. We've been set free. We've been set free. Okay, I feel like I, I should have a funny story to tell you so you could laugh. But I just don't. I, I, <laughs> um, and, and today, I mean, we've got, got a little smaller little smaller crowd, you know, and, and it's been more teaching and, and preaching. But, but it's so important. If we don't get the gospel right, Amen. what are we holding out to people? That's right. That's right. If we're just holding out a set of rules for people to follow, that, that's Old Testament. That's right. kill another animal. That's follow another rule. Mm-hmm. God's for you, and he's for, the, he's for the guy down the street, and we need to tell him that. Because if we don't get that, then we, start, we, we fall in this dualism thing where it's me against you. If I prosper, you have to suffer for me to prosper. Shalom, peace, is about, is about the mutual blessing of everybody. Seeking the peace of the city. We're going to move to 12-12. What's it look like to seek the peace, the blessing for the people there? And can we be blessed too, or does that mean if I bless those people, I've got to give up a bunch of stuff? God's big. He, he can handle this, and I don't really know what it looks like. But somebody needs to figure it out, and, and, and we need to walk through this together. We're going to enter into, into a time of communion now. And um, maybe you never understood the good news like this. Maybe it's always been about this, this proposition where um, if I do this, then God does this. You know, but Jesus went to the cross alone. That fire pot went through those split animals alone. God offers you this blessing unconditionally. And when we mess up, the blessing's still there. The blessing's still there. Try to do better, you know, because because the sin, missing the mark, hurts us. But when you go to, to the table, have a little table talk with Jesus. Can you hear Jesus say, I love you? Can you hear Jesus say, we're good? We're good with each other. Can you hear Jesus say, go. Go from this table in peace. I'm for you. Or is that just too much to believe? If it's too much to believe that Jesus is for you, Matt, or or many people here, you know, would, would love to process that with you because God's for you. So go have some table talk with Jesus. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life, abundant life. And this table is a reminder of that. Here's abundant life for you. Jesus loves you. Go have some table talk with Jesus as we go.